Today on It's Always Something in Philadelphia, we talk a whole lot of Sixers with a very special guest. You guys are going to love him. We talk about his Sixers fandom, being a famous or notable person on Sixers Twitter, talk about all the weird mishaps that's happened with the Sixers in the past decade and where it could go from here and the mishaps that are sure to happen just the rest of the season. Talk about Embiid's health, the Sixers roster construction, the potential offseason decisions. We talk all of that and react a little bit more to the Sixers loss that they had to the Knicks last night, their 110-96 loss. That was a blowout, and they got it close, and then it was a blowout again. So we'll go over all of that and more with this very awesome guest who you guys are going to love. Enjoy. Well, I'd like to welcome on the first guest, or the inaugural guest of this, this new show. It's always something in Philadelphia, so take that as you will the host of the That's Ball folks, and also just a, a Sixers Twitter, I don't I don't know, not I want to say legend, but someone you're always seeing his tweets pop up and his posts, and he's always right in the action. If you're chronically online like me, I'm seeing all your stuff. It's the one and only Josh Reynolds, not the football player, but the other one. <laughs> Josh, thank you for joining me. No, I appreciate it, man. That's quite the intro. And I'm glad that you clarified. I am not the Detroit Lions wide receiver, uh, which... A simple click of a profile picture would reveal that, but uh, for some reason, people don't quite put that together. <laughs> I, I still love, I feel like I'll, I'll see every once in a while during like the football season, people like adding you, being like, why didn't you catch that, Josh? And it's like, I wasn't there. It wasn't me. <laughs> it's the best. I'm like, dude, I'm five, I'm five, eight little guy sitting on my living room couch watching the game, but next time I'll be better. I promise you that. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, I, I want to get into the Sixers and your background and everything like that. But but first, I need to ask you, A, how are you doing? And, and B, explain the Joel Embiid-like predicament you found yourself in. Yes. Yeah, so I appreciate you asking how I'm doing. I'm doing okay. Um, I'll, I'll try to – I could tell this story in 20 minutes or, or a summed up version. So I'll, get, I'll give you the good one. Okay. Um, I, so I am located out here in Utah, um, of all places, relocated out here, met my wife here, went to college here, um, and we've kind of planned our roots here. And uh, I've got a buddy who hit me up, and he, I, I hooped. I play basketball. I'm a little guy, a little point guard, but still play, pick up and stuff all the time. And uh, had a buddy who hit me up. He's like, hey, do you want to go play – uh, pickup up at the Delta Center, uh, which is where the Jazz play. I'm like, yeah, of course. So they've got the floor laid down, everything. Uh, the Jazz are on the road at the time. So um, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So we get up there. We've got the court for like two and a half hours. It's awesome. And those who's played on the NBA court know that it's much longer and bigger than just your typical court at the Y um, or in high school. So we're playing. Uh, I'm not one to toot my own horn. I'm a very humble guy, but I was on fire. Okay. Like, lighting it up which was delightful and i again i travel for work and stuff and so i try to play as much as i can i'll find like local uh just kind of pick up wherever i'm at i play like once every three weeks once a month maybe so uh not as much as i would like and so i'm like great still got it i haven't played in a month or so i'm just i've got the the shooting touch i'm lights out right now like an hour and a half mid-range driving and what, what was working or all of it Three. I'm a, I'm a shooter, okay. so I don't do okay. a lot. Uh, I, I don't do a lot. I'm a little quick guy who uh, who can shoot, and that's it. That's my game. I know it. And out here in Utah, I discovered pretty quickly, it's full of shooters. Everybody shoots out here. <laughs> uh, not like back east where people play like actual defense and play basketball. 
not here in Utah. Everybody just lights it up. Um, so my game's adapted a little bit. Okay. Um, and so about an hour and a half in, I, uh, I simple shot, I, a simple play. I've done it a hundred times, thousands of times. Um, dude from the wing shot a three, looked around a box out, nobody near me, jump up for a rebound, grab it. And when I planted, it was not to get too graphic, but I felt it immediately. And I legit, I like could hear it. I heard the pop. Mm. And I knew I was all alone, but it felt like somebody just kicked me as hard as they could right in the back that's of the leg. That's what they say every time. Yep. And that's what went through my head because I'm like, I've heard this a million times. I've heard the KD thing. I've heard everybody who's torn their Achilles. They like immediately look back like what, like who just kicked me or it feels like you got bit or something. So that happens. It hurts really bad. I fall to the ground and then all of a sudden it clicks of like, uh oh, I know what this injury is. And uh, I went, I went through all the emotions, man. I went from pain to shock i got a little emotional like pissed off of like i can't believe this is actually happening and then it just went numb like the pain went away it didn't really hurt but and so that kind of made me second guess myself um but we did like these we looked it up and called people and did these little tests like where you squeeze the back of your leg and your toes are supposed to lift yeah not, none of it happened so oh, full rupture uh had surgery two weeks ago uh, just got out of my hard cast yesterday, which is a big, big move, a uh, right. monumental day. Um, so yeah, long road, long road of recovery ahead of me, but what's happy the, to do it. I'm just limping around. What's the, what's the timeline to, to getting back on the court? Uh, to back on the court, they told me realistically 10 months to a year. So it's going to, 2024 is going to be a, uh, a year of reflection. We'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. You'll, you'll be working your way back. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned like the, the kicked in the back of the light thing. That's what KD said. And I was just, I, I'm not a, a basketball player anymore. My on the court sport is actually volleyball, pretty niche, but sweet, whatever. That's what I play. And a friend of mine who was, who was playing with me, same thing, just like took a couple steps to start running on the ground. I'm like, oh, did he roll an ankle? And he said he felt like someone took a chair and smacked him in the back of his leg. And that's when he said that we went, Oh no. And yeah, so he, dude. he's in same boats around a similar time too. It's kind of crazy. Well, you mean that you need to put me in contact with the dude. We need a support yeah. group. Or something. Go through it together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it I was think... a, Oh, sorry. I just want to say this just to, for my own sake, it happened on an NBA court. So that's kind of cool, right? Cool. I mean, it, it kind of puts me in this weird little elite group of people where I have no business being, but that's at least what I'm telling myself to get my myself through this year. If I were you as like retribution, I would contact the Jazz and say, hey, every game now you have to put Josh Reynolds out, parentheses Achilles for the rest <laughs> of the year. Because you were hurt on their court. That's the least they could I was. Do. That's a great idea. I have to make my way on to at least one injury report. One I think injury that's a report. Good call. Reynolds out. Achilles. <laughs> Everyone be like, who's Reynolds? Be like the football player? He's <laughs> Well, I'm it. glad you're doing okay. You seem like you're in good spirits about it. So it'll be a, yeah, a, a period of self-reflection. You know, focusing yes. on, the, on the off the court stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> Personal matters. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Josh. So I know you're you're a diehard Sixers fan, and I want to just really quickly kind of ha give you a chance to explain your your background as a Philly sports fan because I know you're not a four for four, which some people always take take Correct. pretty seriously. So kind of explain, you know, you, you, how you became the fans of the team you are today. Absolutely, excellent, excellent question. So uh, just like everybody else, at, well, ninety percent of people, especially in Philly, born into it, never had a choice. 
And I mean, why would anyone ever choose this life? You right? shouldn't. It's, it's the life of torture. I would never yeah. voluntarily sign up for it. No. And I, I say that all the time, especially being out here in Utah, like during the process years and everything, we were the only, we'd go to the jazz Sixers games anytime they're in town. We're the only people I'm wearing my Okafor Jersey. People are like, how the hell, like, how'd you even get that? Jazz um, Sixers in that time was probably like 70 cents for a ticket. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was rough. And now all of a sudden you go and it's like, oh, this place is littered with Embiid stuff, which is great. It's it's an awesome thing. But yeah, yeah why would anybody ever voluntarily put themselves through that? So uh, born into it, I am not a four for four. So the only part that I, I stray away here um, is hockey. I am a New Jersey Devils fan, which I know is hilarious and goes against everything Philadelphia sports. Uh, but it is all family based. So okay. uh, I, my older brother... Uh, works for the team. Um, so again, one of those things where I never really had a choice. Hey, that makes sense. I, I, I can't really shame that. I'm a, uh, I'm a four for four, but I also have a fifth team. that's not Philly that gets people really irked. So I'm Sixers, Eagles, Flyers, Phillies, but I also have appreciation. I don't know if I'm, if I'm a fan as much anymore, but appreciation for the New York Yankees because one of my grandfather fathers is my pop-up. Born in the Bronx, New York, like diehard Yankees fan, met Babe Ruth like on the street in the wow. 30s, like was at Lou Gehrig Day in the stadium, like as diehard as it gets. So I, I grew up and I like I love the Phillies probably more just because they're one of the Philly teams. But I always had that Yankee fandom kind of with me as well. And people kind of give me crap for that. So I understand if it's family, it's the same as being born here. It's like you didn't decide. It just kind of was bestowed on you. You're exactly right. It, it You have no choice. And I'm a big believer family over everything. So that it, that comes even uh, with the sports side of things. And at least they're AL, right? You don't have to root for two NL teams. That's good. Literally until 2009, there was like no reason to like to, for any conflict, especially because interleague play was so sparse back then. Like they maybe played once every four years. So it was like yeah. not rivals or anything. But then, yeah, in 2009, that's when people really were like, well, what are you going to do now? <laughs> and I think as like a little, you know, however old I was then, I would just, I just said, go team. You know, I yeah. just, I'm already in heaven. These are my two favorite teams are playing each other. I don't care what happens. Like this is, I'm just going to soak it up. That's the perfect way to put it. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. I, I respect that, man. Again, the family ties that, that runs deeper than anything. Yeah. And so how did you end up taking your Sixers fandom and kind of pushing it into this media sphere that you do now? Yeah, great question. So it honestly was during the process years where obviously the whole vibe around the entire team was just this weird transition period, right? Where you had the, the fan base was completely split. You had the, the side of the fans that were like, okay, I see the vision. I understand what we're doing in this rebuild process. And then you had the other half that was just like, no, nah, I'm done. Like, this is a joke. I see what you're doing and I hate it. Like, I, I want no part of it. And Clearly, there was not much to root for on the actual on-court product. And I was just kind of viewing it. I'm like, look, my fandom hasn't changed one bit. Like, I'm still all in on this Sixers team, whether we win 10 games or not. And uh, being active on social media, I'm like, man, the vibe around this team is just brutal. Like, how I've always been like a positive guy trying to put positive spins on everything. There's always a silver lining and everything. I got that from my dad. And just viewing the vibe around the team, I'm like, okay. There's got to like, I enjoy watching this team. There's no way I'm alone. I can watch this team lose however many games we lost in a row and still find little pieces where I'm like, Hey, I actually like that. Or wow. That was really fun. Man. Tony Roten's sham God. That game was <laughs> unbelievable. 
like things like that where I'm like, there's got to be a, there's got to be a group of people who share this with me. So honestly, I just kind of hit it hard on, on Twitter where I'm like, look, I'm going to start showing this team love on social media and people got to, I mean, again, I'm not alone. People got to follow me. Sure enough, it slowly started to build. And then it turned into a thing where I'm like, Hey, this is awesome. Like I found my people. I found these sickos who love watching this terrible team with me. How can I get back? And so I kind of started doing these giveaways where I'm very lucky, fortunate, again, having a family who work for the Devils. Um, obviously, they're owned by the same ownership group as right. the Sixers. And so I found myself in this unique spot where I'm like, man, I've got access to a lot of gear, a lot of hoodies, jerseys, whatever. And so I'm like, how do I spread the love? Let's keep this thing rolling. And so start doing giveaways on Twitter and just trying to get this snowball effect going. And again, I feel like that's where a- I first saw you was maybe like a giveaway tweet on some jerseys that I probably retweeted or something. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so that was my thought. I'm like, great. Like this is a very dark negative space that is Sixers basketball Twitter. How do I bring just a teeny little bit of light to it? And by giveaways or sharing stupid highlights, whatever, that's kind of how I've maneuvered myself and weaseled myself here. And now I, I love it, dude. Uh, being able to do this podcast and have a, a, a hilarious little cult following on Twitter who I love every single one of them. Like that's the biggest misconception I think on social media is people are all like, social media is not real. Like what you read, like it's not real. These people who hide behind these fake profiles, whatever. Dude, I have met genuine friends. Like we're talking because of social media. Yeah. I have a couple dudes who've literally also transplanted from Philly out here in Utah who I'm boys with now. Like all because of Twitter and all because of the Sixers. So when people are like, ah, no, social media is not real. I'm like, nah, you're just on the wrong side of it because I've seen firsthand like this is real and it's awesome. No, there's definitely those two sides to it. And there's the negative and like the burner accounts and the mean comments. But I think that's what what you talked about is what's beautiful about it is you can connect with people and whatever your interest is for you. It's, you know, being a Sixers fan from all over the country, maybe even the world. And you can kind of have that space to meet each other. And then maybe one day, yeah, you meet up somewhere in person and you have a whole big reunion. So I think there's definitely is a positive side of social media and you're a great example as to one of them. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. But yeah, again, call me what cheesy, whatever the hell you want to call me. Like, I just I love looking for the positive, sharing love, spreading love. And if I can get people on board who are down with that, then great. That's who I want to surround myself with. And uh, hilariously enough. Yeah. Like whenever we play the Nuggets, there are always clowns, like you said, behind <laughs> those burner accounts who are sending me DMs and saying they, awful they go at you every Ooh, time. It, it's brutal. Um, but yeah, I learned pretty quick. I'm like, cool. I have thick skin. There's probably some 12 year old chilling at home and whatever. Um, but yeah, focus on the positive, man. And and I think that's what I've done. This little Sixers Twitter uh, world that we live in is pretty cool. Well, I think you've done a great job building your space. And you always, like I said in the intro, at the forefront of if something's happening with the Sixers or even the Eagles or the Phillies, you know, you just kind of seem to be right on top of it. So tip of the cap to you. Thank now, you, quick brother. question as a Sixers and Devils fan, are you now going to become the full Josh Harris guy and be a Commanders fan or or no? <laughs> I'm not a Commanders fan. No, okay. no. So I will say, yeah, there's there, that's a good question. It's very validated, but no, it uh, there's absolutely no chance. There's some hatred that runs deep and uh, it runs deep for all of the uh, kind of division teams. And I would never. All right, just making sure you're not like yeah, Josh yeah, Harris, keep- ride or die. That's my owner, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're keeping me in check, and I appreciate that. Someone has to. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, and we can include last night's game if you want, which uh, it was kind of a blow up from the start, and then they came back and made it close, got within six, and then 
lost the handle again. So we can include that. But but overall, to you as someone who's followed this team for a long time, halfway through or at the all-star break point of the season, what are just your thoughts on this team on obviously health is just the biggest factor with everyone, but just their championship chances, what it looks like, how enjoyable of a season it's been. What, what are your thoughts sort of halfway through the season on the Sixers team? Yeah, I, I think the Sixers more than anybody, their season and the storyline is always a roller coaster. It always is every year. It, uh, and again, you can say that for every team, but it just feels more so like it's a Philly sports team. So, of course, there's going to be higher highs and lower lows. That's and that's why yeah. the name of this show is It's Always Something in Philadelphia, Obviously, which I love. On, it's a pun on Sonny, but like I really yeah. have the Sixers kind of specifically in mind because it's just always something. There's always, always. something that's weird yeah. that's wrong. So the, continue. <laughs> the most just strange franchise. And, and you can look at last night for the perfect example. Kyle Less Lowry. than a half in, Kyle Lowry <laughs> takes this crazy elbow to the head. I'm like, dude, of course this happens to him. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't have been a Sixers debut unless something wild like that happened. No. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But yeah, you you nailed it. I love the name of your show. Always something in Philly. You're exactly right. But I think this season more than any, the regular season the last few years, like obviously Embiid's health has been the storyline of this franchise since he came into the league, right? And that hasn't changed. It's only just increased. Obviously, he's gotten better and better every single season. His health becomes more of a storyline every year. This He's done a really good job the last three seasons at honestly remaining healthy through the regular season, which was the biggest knock because he would have some serious uh, season-ending injury. He'd be out. Yes, of course, there's always something, right? In the playoffs, some freak accident happens, some crazy injury happens, and he's out. That sucks. But this season, it just it came out of the gate so hot, and I think maybe because we didn't have these expectations where we saw the offseason moves that we made, right? And it was like, okay, Harden's gone. Uh, this roster's kind of looking a little suspect. Maybe the bar's a little bit lower. Let's get Embiid some help. Yeah, Maxi's a rising star. And then all of a sudden we came out of the gate like on fire. Maxi takes another leap. Embiid somehow after his MVP season, he takes another leap. So all of a sudden it's like, okay, it reignites this fire a little bit. And then just seeing the way that Embiid went out, uh, obviously it takes the wind right out of the sails. Um, and it's brutal. Uh, the dude drops 70. He's just on an offensive pace unlike we've ever seen in basketball history. So for him to go out is brutal. Um, but I, I tweeted it the second it happened, like, the storyline changes as it does every year. It now all of a sudden changes to, okay, weather the storm. We got to do everything humanly possible to make sure we stay in that top six seeds so that when a B does come back, heaven forbid, knock on wood, he does in the regular season, uh, we can hit the ground running because I'll tell you what, nobody wants to see the Sixers with Embiid back as a six seed. Can you imagine? Like that is a, that's a nightmare. So yeah, uh, yeah I, I just think the storyline has changed so much and it, it sucks. That's the reality we live in. But I think it's it's being able to give players other opportunities where it's like, all right, Maxi, now all of a sudden you're thrown into this role where this is your team right now. So go do what you do. And he's done it. Obviously, being an all-star this year, he's been great. We go out and get Buddy healed. How does that work? So far, so good. Like, I really like the way they're playing with each other. You'll get last night, even with Lowry. It's like, okay, small sample size. But I think the backcourt of, of Maxi and Lowry together, I think that's going to be really good. So... Again, storyline changes, but I think as of now, the whole, if you got to put a title to it, weather the storm, period, do whatever you can to put string together some wins to get Embiid back healthy and then kind of hit the ground running from there. 
Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head with the, the roller coaster, as most seasons typically are with the Sixers. But this one, I feel like more so because this offseason, I think as a fan, based on how last season ended, I was the most apathetic to the Sixers I've ever been. Just oh, yeah. whatever. They'll, they'll do it and beat. will have a good season and they'll lose in the second round. Whatever. I don't care. Like everything just seemed super just down and negative and just no expectations. Then, like you said, Maxi got off to a great start. They trade Harden and Bede's an even better MVP. And everything's shooting up and then he gets injured and everything goes and we're in this roller coaster now. And so I think that was a perfect way to describe it. And for me, I'm in the thought process. I I have two trains of thought with this Embiid injury. And it's sort of the the meme of like, you know, it's it's Jover or we're so back <laughs> or it's never been more over, but it's never been more back. And I keep <laughs> flip flopping in my head. Maybe this Embiid injury was the perfect time. So he can get whatever his injury woes are for this season out of the way and then come back healthy and not be playing through injury in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. While he might be playing through recovery, he's not like playing through his torn meniscus or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's my positive spin of like, well, what if this is just the perfect timing? You're right. My negative is, I mean, what if he's just not going to be ready and there's just no reason to continue with the season with expectations of a championship? Because yep. we don't really know health-wise, like the timeline. Yeah, he could come back, play two weeks the regular season and be good. Or like he could realistically, if there were no playoff implications, not need to be or supposed to be back for, you know, till June. And so it just wouldn't make sense. Yeah. So I'm on the two tra- trains of like, oh, maybe it's perfect timing or maybe like we just should just not put these expectations on him or the team. Yep. I see both sides. I love the positive spin on it again. Yeah. Like the meme, the meme is hilarious and I completely agree, but yeah, looking at it from just a realistic standpoint, right? It's like, okay, if Embiid doesn't come back, like we, we know obviously what he means to this team. Like, yeah. I think if there was ever an argument of who the MVP is, like I'm not bashing our team, but like, look, look what happened once he went out. Like, oh, what are we, he just yeah, does, we, too he does everything offensively and defensively more impactful than any other player on any other team. I think it's blatantly obvious now. A hundred percent. Well, I think what we've, we've lost 10 out of our last 13 or something like that. It's like, okay, clearly he has proved what he means to not just his team, but him as a player. But yeah, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Looking at it from a realistic standpoint, it's like, okay, if he doesn't come back, then yeah, the season, like this team's not going to do anything. Maybe we make the, the play in spot and maybe, like have a fun game or two, but realistic expectations sure change when the MVP is not on your team. So I can appreciate that standpoint. And then maybe we'll talk about it, but like if that is the angle and that's what we're going to do, it sure changes the conversation with this off season, right? What the roster is going to look like and it changes everything. So I am of the personal belief, and this isn't even just me and my optimistic take, like the Sixers going out and getting buddy healed. I think they went and got the best player available at the trade deadline. I think that they showed and clearly showed interest. They tried to get Andre Drummond and better their themselves uh, while Embiid's out. But like, I think those moves alone show that there's at least optimism and hope that Embiid comes back this regular season. And then again, he does come back. Like you said, to your point, who knows what that looks like? He's playing through recovery. So, I mean, in his minute restriction, what does that even look like? For how long does that look like? Uh, there's a lot of questions to be asked. But yeah, I, I think the Sixers going out, getting aggressive, getting Buddy Heald, who I love, uh, I think at least shows signs of optimism inside the organization that, Hey, we really believe that somebody that he's coming back, he's going to get back on the floor this regular season. 
Right. And that question is just, is, is it worth it for him? Like it, playing through recovery, is it the perfect timeline or is he forcing it for a team that you know might not win? But I think you said it, that they have made moves, you know, assuming he will come back. And I think, and I want to see what you think about this. I think maybe not the most talented, but this is the deepest and most well-fit roster around Embiid since he's been a sixer when everyone's healthy with the defense of people like Covington and Melton and the shooting now of healed and the shot creation of Maxi and Paul Reed's probably the second best backup center he's had behind Drummond. So I think it's mm-hmm. the best team created around Embiid. Do you feel the same way when everyone's healthy? I really do. I, I, I remember tweeting something similar of like, Hey, this is realistically looking at it for better or for worse. This is the best roster that Embiid has had like top to bottom. Right. Like you said, you just nailed it with Ma- everything from Maxi to all of a sudden now we got shooting with Buddy Heald. I, I love Nico Batum, right? <clears throat> I think he's the perfect player to play alongside Embiid. He struggled last night at some dust to, to get off of him a little better bit. better with Embiid for sure. Yeah, of course. But again, that just proves our point, right? That I think that this roster constructed as is, is probably top to bottom the best that Embiid has had. Obviously, you can look at Jimmy Butler and and that year with JJ and the Kawhi shot, whatever. You can look at that. And from a strictly talent standpoint, yeah, that's probably that the best roster he's had. We're top heavy talent. Exactly. But yep, we're, we're deep. Uh, I'd love Melton. Like he hasn't been healthy. He's coming back. Like, again, if we get these pieces back at the right time, you nailed it. The question's going to be, okay, is it worth it for him to come back? But the report that just came out yesterday is, hey, like Embiid's already back at the facility. Um, he's working on rehab in there. Like that's pretty quick turnaround, at least quicker than what I thought. Um, at least getting back onto the ground. So I don't know, man, lots to be, it's, how do I wear this? It's like cautiously optimistic. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I think that's fair. And what's so interesting about just this team in this exact situation with the injury and everything is, so they have this, the the best roster and bead seen around him for a while. And he's coming back from injury and he, you know, he might be hundred percent. He might not, maybe they make a run, whether they lose in the second round again, or make a conference final or make a finals or whatever, if they fall short of a championship, then this offseason is going to be clean slate no matter what, pretty much, right? It's only really yeah. Embiid and uh, Reed on the books with Maxi, you know, most likely going to be signed to a mega deal. So mm-hmm. it's it's just interesting to see how it will play out because, I mean, what happens if they do make it to the finals and they lose in seven? Do you still then go let everyone go and get that third star and re not rebuild, but like retool again? Yeah, it's such an interesting question. It really is. And again, just looking at this offseason, I try not to because this trade deadline, you can only help but do that because that was all the talk, right? Is okay, we've got so much cap space, so much money to spend uh, in free agency once next year rolls around because you nailed it. Like the three guys will be on the roster Embiid, Paul Reed, and Tyrese Maxey because you know, obviously, they're going to give us the only givens that deal. That's it. So then it's like, okay, you go out and trade for Buddy Heald. It's a small sample size, but we like what we see. I would love to see him on the floor with Embiid. Is that somebody who then you re-sign? Is he your guy who you go re-sign? Because looking at the free agent uh, pool for this year, it's like there are a lot of dudes with player options. A lot of dudes. So they can shake up. All of a sudden, that turns into a promising free agency uh, offseason. If all those dudes opt in, it's like, uh uh-oh, this isn't looking as promising, right? So Paul George is... It all comes back to Paul George, I think. It just <laughs> narrows down. He still, for whatever reason, hasn't worked out his contract extension in L.A. I think it's very wishful thinking uh, to think that, okay, the homegrown kid from California is going to steer clear and go somewhere else. But there's a reason he hasn't re-signed yet. 
And uh, it's, it's something to keep your eye on. Obviously I know the Sixers and everybody around the league are keeping their eye on that, but yeah, man, I am with you this off season. It could get real interesting, real fast, depending on if we're a playing team or we make a run, like there's right. so many questions to be answered. Yeah. And even the Paul George thing is so it, he seemed, he's the name that circulated the most amongst a, a sign and trade or a sign for the off season as that big, you know, third star. And he's yeah. playing great right now, but even for him, that's, He's 33 years old. You know, he's certainly on the downtrend of his prime in his career. So that even like shortens the window, then that it's even more like you got to win in the next two years now, which obviously Embiid's who knows how long his prime can last. So I think that's a fine move anyway. But him being, yeah. you know, the best option for this offseason, it, it makes me a little nervous. I know we have all this cap space we're going to have and all this money and all the first round picks to trade, but I don't think this offseason like pool is as, as great as it has been i yep i totally agree and i, I was i got in a conversation with uh some of my best friends about this and we were kind of joking about it because one of them's a dallas mavericks fan one yeah. of them's a utah jazz fan and we were just talking about like free agency in general for our franchises none of us have really landed a big name free agent and then we took a step back and it's like okay unless you're like a california team or a florida team nobody or maybe new york like nobody is landing big name free agents it just it doesn't happen no. but then one of my buddies pointed out a great point he's like well the way that the nba is today it's like play it's so player driven and player run that all these dudes like demanding trades and everything it's like free agency almost doesn't matter you just need an aggressive franchise like of course it matters but like mm -hmm. when you look at it from that aspect it's like okay my expectations all of a sudden are not here because i like We've never really signed a huge free agent. They drop a little bit, but guess what? We have one of the most aggressive and active GMs in all of basketball. It's like if anybody has proved that they will go out and get aggressive and at least try to better the roster, it's Daryl Morey. So that at least makes me feel a little bit better because you're right. All of a sudden you look at this offseason pool of free agents. It's like, uh, this isn't looking as promising, but at least we've got somebody who has shown that he's going to go out and get aggressive. No, and that's a great point. Like you said, it's, if someone's a true free agent, they're either going to California, Florida, or New York because they're going to go where the money is, where the spotlight is, and where besides New York, where it's sunny out and nice. It just kind of yeah. out. That's how it happens, which makes sense. But you're right; it's going through a trade with an aggressive GM. It's the best way to get someone, which I assume Daryl will be aggressive this year. But it just I go back to what we were saying previously with this roster. I mean, do you really completely rebuild and retool around Embiid and Maxi? with some new starring or rid of everyone else. I, I don't know. It's just this team. They, they stress me out. Just thinking about the future. <laughs> I know I'm right there with you, dude. And honestly, if you want to be stressed out, think about this. So looking at the teams who've won it all, like Denver's the perfect example. I think the idea with the whole process was to follow that path of, Hey, let's do exactly what the San Antonio Spurs did, right? They were bad. They got good draft picks. They grew that homegrown talent. They turned into this, just dynasty. Or you can even look at OKC. Yeah, they didn't win, but they did the exact same thing. They followed the same recipe. Drafted dudes, homegrown, and now obviously you look at them now, they're in a very similar state. You look at the Nuggets, it's like, okay, that's exactly what they went and did. Their big moves, their like off-season or trade splashes were just complementary pieces to their homegrown talent. So it's like, okay, we've got Embiid, we've got Maxi. You look at Embiid and just his track record, dude, of teammates he's had. It's like, <laughs> my goodness, give that dude some stability, 
for crying out loud. Uh, again, that's no knock to the franchise because I, again, I think Maury has done every move possible to try and set this team up for the best possible uh, chance they have. But it's like, man, some stability of, I wouldn't hate bringing back some of this roster just to have that core group together, that stability, because look, look at the past winners. It's like, okay, that's a proven recipe uh, to win. So I, I don't know. Looking at it that way, again, I think stresses me out is the perfect way to put it because it stresses me out thinking about it too. <laughs> yeah. And so you're saying maybe it's a compare directly to the Nuggets, which who whoever compares Nuggets Sixers or Embiid Jokic these days. Um, yeah. <laughs> to compare it to them, right? Uh, Embiid to Jokic, maybe Maxi to Murray and yeah. finding an Aaron Gordon-esque third piece maybe in the offseason, yeah. but then bringing back some of the other pieces. Like I think, I think you have to re-sign Buddy Heald, especially if he's most likely going to play, including Agreed. playoffs, 15-ish games with Embiid. Like that's too small of a sample size to know yep. what that could be. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about Tobias Harris? I mean, is there I, a lot to say? <laughs> I know you're, you're Mr. Positive, so. <laughs> I am. Uh, let me, let me put it in this way. This is a, this is a good spin on it. Okay. So Tobias was offered a max contract. Yeah. And because that's what the market was at the time was offering. He took it, right? It's like, okay, that's no fault of his own. Tobias Harris clearly is not a max contract player. But when you sign that max contract, you have max contract player expectations. So he has had this unattainable ceiling that he has tried to reach his entire time he's been in Philly. And that sucks because it's it's brutal for him. I'm sure it's brutal for him. It's brutal for us. It's kind of brutal for everybody. It's like, look, if this offseason, I know that some people are just like, no, we're done. Done with Tobias. He's, I'm out. I'm done. If he comes back and we can bring him back on a, a realistic deal of, I don't even know what that looks like. I'm, I'm not even going to throw out numbers, but it's like, okay, yeah. that's maybe something that would change my mind. I don't think that happens. I think that we move on and he goes elsewhere, but it, it's, I'm trying to look at it from his shoes. And it's, like I said, it's just this unattainable ceiling that he's never been able to hit. He's not good enough to be our third star, arguably at points, hasn't even been able to reach that fourth level, uh, fourth option. It's like, the dude was kind of set up for failure from the beginning to no fault of his own, no fault of the franchises. Just been this bummer of a situation that just has not worked out. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating for everybody. Last night was the perfect example. It's like, what? What is going on? But then he'll have these little games where it's like, oh, like, all right, there he is. You're, you're not hesitating when you when you uh, Maxi kicks it out to you. You're actually shooting threes. And guess what? You're shooting them well. They're, they're going in. It's like if we can get that on a much more realistic contract, that's a different conversation to be had, but yeah, my goodness, man. I, I don't think the Sixers bring him back. I think that they move on, but just trying to look at it from some positive spin. It's just, he's been set up for failure to, again, no fault of his own or the franchises from the beginning. He's never been able to reach it. Yeah, no. And then it's a, it's a great point. He's had the expectations based on what he's paid of being a superstar player. And he's at most a complimentary role player. Like, or, yeah. you know, he had one year where he was almost an all-star. Like that's it. That's, that's his speaking. That's, that's a ceiling. That, that, that ceiling. And that's, that's a very, very good and very talented yeah. NBA player. But I mean, last night and people were getting on him and, and I don't blame them. It's in those games in this stretch when you don't have Embiid and you're down, maybe some other wings just, and you've seen him play at a high level in spurts. You just have to see him be more aggressive and, and be more of an option on the offensive side of the ball. Like, yeah. I think I saw a tweet or post one time that says 
no matter who's on the floor, one thing Tobias Harris is going to do is be the third or fourth option. And it's like, it's crazy. Like with that lineup, he was still like the fourth leading scorer. Yeah. Like he didn't do anything. It's just, I'd, yep. uh, you I, would, you would expect that guy to step up. Like you said, with him right. beat out, you would expect that guy to step up and play at least to that ceiling. Right. Because that, to your point, that's a really good ceiling. If you're a fringe all-star in the NBA, that's fantastic. You can have a long, long career, but we need that. Like we need that consistently. We can't have nights like last night where this team right now need, if they've ever needed Tobias Harris, obviously in the playoffs, it would have been lovely to have him show up. But if there's ever a time to have him show up, like right now is the time, like yep. weather the storm again, get through it, get him beat back. We just need some consistency. And that is, that is lacking big time. Yeah. But on a, on a fully healthy roster, having a guy like Tobias, who can average a quiet 15 to 18 yeah. as your fourth option, super helpful. If he didn't have the the contract expectations, it'd probably be a lot more enjoyable. I yeah. also think I don't think they're going to resign him this offseason, no matter even if it was for like the vet minimum. I just Agreed. think I think they did the on. five years. They never ended up trading him, even though he was in trade talks every year. Yep, he. I don't want to say he did his job in like you know the same way like most people go and do their job. You know, you showed up, you yeah. Gave it the college try. So yeah. I think I think we'll move on from him this year. But um, yeah, he's he's a guy I don't see this. He bringing back who are some other pieces? I think Buddy Heald won. Give me two or three names that you think I want this guy back next year. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because I think after Buddy Heald, a lot of dudes fall in the same bucket where they're like fringe guys. So you look at, OK, DeAnthony Melton, you look at Kelly Oubre, who has been awesome i mean the last like month or so he struggled a little bit again yeah. when a bead goes down that's gonna happen um but for bringing in these dudes on minimum deals it's like okay like these dudes kind of fall in the same bucket where it's like do you bring them back like melton's gonna get a nice little payday mm-hmm. i think Ubre obviously is gonna get more than the minimum after this year so it's like okay what does that number look like i would ideally for the right price yeah i would love to bring him back um but again, I think a lot of dudes fall in that same bucket where it's like, okay, I could see this going either way where maybe we bring them back on a little team friendly deal or some team throws a big contract their way. Uh, I'm not comparing him, but like, look at Bruce Brown, right? The guy won last year. That's awesome. Then just got a nice little payday. uh, And, and good for him. He did that. But I think a lot of dudes on the Sixers roster currently this off season are going to fall into that same group where it's like, all right, I can see it either way. I can see a team going out and giving them a nice little offer and we lose them, or I can see them us bringing them back maybe on a, a more team friendly looking deal. If they're both have offers for, let's say, you know, not vet minimum, but like a chunk above that, you know, like a yeah. middling average contract. Do you want Tobias? Or do you want Ubre? Oh, Oh man. That's, that's, <laughs> It's a tough one. So, uh, I I would lean, man, that's, that's tough. I would lean Ubre only for upside. Like yep. we, Tobias has never been like, holy cow, Tobias dropped 40 tonight. Like <laughs> that doesn't happen, right? Ubre is capable of doing that any given night. He just, yep. the, I, I think the highest, he's not going to be in fringe all-star. Like, I don't think that's what no. Ubre is going to do. Uh, but we've needed a dude who can come in and score like that in Bede's entire career. Um, so I, if it's the same offer, I think maybe it, uh, that's a weird take, but I, I lean Ubre, and maybe that's just because we've given Tobias that chance and we've seen it and we're happy and that's good. Uh, but yeah, I would lean Ubre. What about you? I also, I also would lean Ubre, And I think yeah. just the main difference for me, and this is 
driven me crazy about Tobias for the past five years. He has the softest driving hands I've ever seen in my life. It just seems like every time he goes up, it's like strip, strip, yeah. strip. And, and I like Tobias. I think he's a great player and an awesome person. But yeah. on the flip side, I think Kelly Oubre attacks the rim so aggressively Agreed. that he's just someone that having that slasher with Embiid, Maxi, and whoever else fills the team, if we can get him for a friendly contract, great. Now, like you said, if some team offers him more than that, I don't think there's any reason to match. I think you let him walk. But Agreed. Agreed. I think if we can get him for that, you know, that sweet spot deal, I'd like to see him back. Agreed. I, he's been he's been a very pleasant surprise. Again, the last few weeks have kind of been a bummer just because he's lost a little bit. But again, like I'm taking it with a grain of salt because the best player in the league has been out of your roster and your rotation. So of course everybody is going to lack a little bit. Um, but I Ubre's been Ubre. Honestly, when we signed him was a shock. I, yeah. I think the fact that his name was even out there for as long as it was was crazy. And I think the fact Daryl was able to talk him into like, hey, this is a prove it's like prove yourself here. You're going to be able to do it on a really good roster playing with really good players. And I think that's exactly what he's done so far, but he's, he's been a very pleasant surprise. I like Uber a lot. No, me too. And to circle back to, to this team right now in its current state and to last night's game, obviously without him be defensively, barely any rim protection, no rebounding offensively or defensively. But I think something that is getting lost in this sort of losing spell that they've been on without Embiid is they also don't have Covington and don't have Melton. And their perimeter defense is terrible right now. The Knicks yeah. were shooting, what, like 50% from three in that first half. So I think yeah. that's something that maybe once we start getting those other guys back, Melton's back, Covington's back, and everyone but Embiid is healthy, maybe this team's more of a 500 team than a yeah. you know losing two out of every three. I agree. I agree with that. Um, it's it's honestly been brutal. The the lack of perimeter defense and the lack of just straight up rebounding is like punch a wall in fear. If I could get up and healthily run to a wall and punch it, I probably would have. Like it, it's so frustrating. But again, like we tried, we tried to go get Drummond. Like yeah. it, it's, but it's brutal. Kind of, we know what Paul Reed is, right? I still think there's this level to him that we haven't quite seen. Like his game is so unique and weird that it's like he is a good backup, but he's not like your typical big. So when he's anchoring the defense on a smaller lineup, it's like mm -hmm. he's not going to be that guy. So yeah, dude, it, it's infuriating. But I agree with you with the perimeter defense. I think Melton, I believe, comes back tonight. Um, Supposedly, and getting, allegedly. Yeah, 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 and getting him back, I think, obviously, is only going to boost everything. He's a phenomenal just phenomenal uh, perimeter defender and Covington, like both those dudes, very similarly, longer guards, ton of deflections, ton of steals. Both of them need to work on their transition finishing game more than anything sure. I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but no player's perfect, but I agree. I, I think that that at least getting them back puts us more in the range of like, okay, we can fight for this actual playoff spot rather than just kind of continuing this downward trend that we're on right now. And with that said, to kind of go back to what we were talking about with, for a championship chance and this roster, everyone healthy, Melton Covington back, and be back with whatever percentage. Do you realistically think if everyone's back, this team can win a championship this year? Uh, I don't know, man. That's a great question. Are we, we're talking Embiid healthy and playing as he was before he got hurt as well? Sure. Let's say he comes back in the regular season, plays a week or two, ramps up, and in the playoffs, he's averaging you know, 30 plus. Yeah. I, uh, maybe this is a total Homer take, but I look at the Eastern conference and how we looked against the top teams when Embiid was in and our roster was healthy. 
I felt really good looking forward. And that was before the Dame Lillard trade. But now you look and got the doc higher. And now you look at Milwaukee. It's like, what's going on there? Like, for whatever reason, they don't strike that fear inside of you that they otherwise did. But I, I feel the same way. Obviously, Boston's awesome, right? Boston is the team to, to beat. But they are, yeah, they've made some runs. But, like, they're yet to prove it really also. So before everybody got hurt, I looked at the East and I'm like, look, I feel really good. Like this roster is playing really well. They're playing well together. Nick Nurse has these dudes bought in to play this certain style of ball where it, it was important that not only everybody bought in, but like Embiid bought in. And I think that's why he was able to take this other jump in his game. Um, and then you get to the finals. Say you do get through the East. Anything can happen in a seven game series. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I, it's... Uh, Obviously, we've talked about it. Health's the name of the game, but we get through. If we get healthy, like I wouldn't be shocked. If we get look, if we get past the second round, I think <laughs> I can speak for everybody. I'll be thrilled. Everybody will be thrilled. It'll be great. I don't think there's that. any. Yeah, there's. I don't think there's any takes of like championship or bust. If we get past, if we get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think everybody is just through the moon, like thrilled. But you look at the standings, man. You got Boston, Cleveland. Like I love the Knicks. I think they're super fun, but like. They don't scare me in, in a seven-game playoff series if we're healthy. Same with the Cavs. They're really fun. I really like watching them play, but like, I take a healthy roster that we've got now over both of those guys. So I don't know. I If we're healthy, I you need some luck, right? Every team that makes a championship run, they've got luck on their side. We have never once had luck on our side, not, uh, not for a second. So it would be lovely to, <laughs> to capture a little bit of that and make this run, but I, I don't know. I just look at the East and I'm like, the top doesn't scare me that bad. The West is terrifying. Sure. And for me, if we get pre-injury Embiid, right, with this roster mm -hmm. construction, I think on paper, this team has as good a chance as, of anyone. And I mean that. Yeah. But, yeah. and not to sound like, you know, the, the Jokic stands that are out there online, but I've reached a point now where I'm in a, I won't believe it till I see it with Embiid yeah. in the playoffs. And unfortunately, he's been injured all, literally every season. And I take yep. that into account, but I guess in prior seasons, you know, I'd say, oh, this is the year he's going to figure out. This is the year. I don't really have that faith. I've lost that faith. And so now it's until he does that, I don't expect him to do it. Yeah. And now if this, this year, right, he is that guy again, and maybe they lose in the conference finals, then maybe next year I'll go, okay, I believe. But for right yeah. now, I just don't have that belief in him until I can see it you are not alone and you were completely justified for feeling that same exact way. Right. Like what I talk myself into it every postseason of like, all right, I know what I've seen the last 82 games, but like now all of a sudden I have this crazy belief, but you're right. It's like, why? And to no fault of his own. Cause he's battled injury. He's doing everything every he can. Time. He plays. Yeah. He plays through injuries in the playoffs, but it's like, okay, you're only at 70% if that, but yeah, you're right. Like you can't fault a single human being for thinking that exact same way of like, dude, you got to show it before I fully believe. And again, whether that's to his fault to or not, like that's the reality that we live in. Yep. And it just goes back to like we talked about in the beginning when he comes back from this injury, is he back and healthy or is he 70% cause he's still recovering. And then it will be the same story of, Oh, well it wasn't full Embiid and he averaged seven points less and a lower shooting percentage and less foul shots. And it's like, Oh, here we go. I, same old story. You're exactly right. And I refuse to at least have this conversation right now. But if this happens uh, this postseason, if it happens next postseason as well, like I, the conversation is to be had of like, there are some all time greats 
who just were riddled by injuries, their careers were. And I don't want to even label that. I don't want to put them in that bucket. I refuse to have that conversation now. But if that continues to happen this season, next season, like that conversation needs to be had of like, look, this is who he is. This is who Embiid is. Like, it sucks that we never fully got to see what he could have been. But guess what? You look at some all-time greats, and that's the exact same conversation that we have with them. Penny Hardaway, Yao Ming. It's like Brandon Roy. I, I would even put him in that conversation. It's like, we saw what they were capable of, but now we look back at them, and we're like, yeah, they were amazing. Just like, what if? And maybe that's who Embiid is. Again, I'm not putting him there yet, but if this continues to happen, then it's like, okay, maybe we throw him in that bucket of this is who he is. Let's appreciate him for what he is and what he did. Uh, but he just, we never got to quite see him, but I still, again, I'm holding out hope. I keep thinking, I said this like three years ago, like with Embiid's injury history, our championship window is now it's in the next yeah. two years, realistically. And then all of a sudden Embiid comes out next, uh, the next year and it's like, Oh, he's the MVP. This is the championship window. Maybe it extends a little bit. He then he comes out better. this year and it's like, yeah, it's like, how is he better now? Our championship windows extended even more. So it, realistically at some point that is going to show itself and be like, okay, this is like, we got to go now. And I think by the moves that Daryl Morey has made, it's like, he believes that as well, right? Like he's not just making these insanely aggressive moves because it looks good. Like he thinks that, okay, this is the championship window. Let's make a move. So it's, yeah, that, that just puts even more pressure on this off season and what actually happens. I think if Embiid keeps having historically great regular seasons and then battling injury and falling short in the playoffs, that's just like the ghost of David Stern haunting the Sixers for their yeah. process days. Like I'll just accept that like he's cursed. We're cursed. It's all cursed. And it's never going to happen. It's out yep. of our control. Yeah, yeah. It's bigger. It's bigger than all of us. <laughs> well, there's very few times in this league where we can sit and laugh at another team, especially one that's a conference rival, but you mentioned doc rivers and the bucks. Oh man. And so I, I want to see what you think now that we're, you know, some time removed from Doc Rivers as the Sixers head coach and just seeing the way they've played, the quotes and excuses he's made, what J.J. Redick said. What are your thoughts on this whole Doc Rivers-Bucks experiment thus far? Yeah, so first off, I really like Doc as a person. Like, he he's uh, my interactions with him were all very pleasant, like, very nice guy. I think that it caught everyone so off guard with this Milwaukee thing. Like, it, it was so shocking. And then it kind of came out like, Oh, this is Giannis is doing. This is what Giannis wants. It's like, all right, well, he's your guy. You got to roll with that. I get it. But doc from the get go immediately, as if he could almost see what was going to happen, started deflecting things of like, man, I've never done this. This is crazy. <laughs> this is going to be the hardest thing I've ever done. I told the ownership group of what are you guys even thinking? And it's like, hold on. I have never seen anybody player, coach, front office, anybody go on the craziest self-defense social campaign that Doc Rivers has gone on over the last like two weeks. It's insane. Every single quote that comes out somehow is like worse than the one before. And then good on JJ Redick. I mean, nobody knows JJ Redick better than Doc uh, or nobody knows Doc Rivers better than JJ Redick. Good on him for actually going at it and calling it out because guess what? The rest of us basketball fans and basketball media, everybody has seen it. And so for JJ to get out, yeah, he went a little aggressive. You could tell there was probably some personal pent up feelings there. 
Um, but for him to call him out, I thought was awesome. And then we don't even have to go down this lane, but, but Pat Bev kind of chiming in and going back and forth with them. We know what Pat Bev is, he's just, right? He's, he's being the, Pat Bev. He's Pat Bev. He's the like <laughs> ultimate panderer. Like I can appreciate, we know what he is because he did it in Philly. Um, so I can appreciate what he's doing. But man, this this whole thing, like the fact that Milwaukee watched Doc Rivers coach us and do what he did and give up those leads. And look, obviously he's not the only one to blame. Like players have to actually perform, but guess what? A coach that a lot of that falls on the coach and it always has. They're the ultimate scapegoat. When things go good. Wow. They were awesome. When things go bad, get your guys together. And he has yet to prove go way back to the Boston days. He's yet to prove that he can be the guy to get his guys together. So the fact that the bucks just sat back have saw all of this and thought, okay, this will solve all of our problems. We're terrible. or uh, terrible defensive basketball team. Let's bring in Doc Rivers. That will help. Like, I just yeah. am so mind blown. And one of my good buddies, uh, Nate, a big Bucks fan, uh, we, we chat regularly, uh, follow him on Twitter, Nate Marzion, awesome guy. But he thinks similarly to the way that we do, where he's he wants to be optimistic. He's like, I want to be positive. I want to choose to look for the good here. But like, what? why like what's happening i i'm just i'm still flabbergasted but again as a sixers fan and a petty one like <laughs> i love every second of it i love it i live for it i wake up every morning and hurry and check my phone to see if another doc quote drops just because i can't believe that it's happening i mean we've had such misery the past decade plus that it's, it's nice to see someone go through a similar type you know bump in the road um, yeah. And yeah. And, I, I've, and they, they've won, right? So they have the upper yeah. hand, whatever bucks fans feel good, but like, let us enjoy this misery because it is fantastic to watch. And you're right. That's where we find ourselves right now as Sixers fans. It's like, whatever we're clinging on to anything and everything, but this sure. thing is just fantastic. Yeah. And, and like you said, I have no problem with what Pat Bev said. That's who he is. He's, he's going to yeah. ride for whatever team he's on. And we already know he's a big doc rivers guy. So don't mind that at all with mm -hmm. JJ. For me, it was just like validating because he kind of said yeah. what like everyone was thinking. But like, you know, I've never played in the NBA. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Doc's a great coach. But I'm just an idiot. But to hear yeah. like an actual NBA player who's played for him say what we're thinking, that he's just making excuses left and right. That was validating, certainly. Yeah, validating is a perfect way to put it because you're right. I think all of Philly, the majority of Philly fans like love JJ Redick. Like yeah. they can appreciate him. He's one of my favorite. He was one of my favorite basketball players, period. But like. The fact when he played at Duke, love them. Like the fact that he came to Philly. Yeah, of course he got a bag. They offered him a huge deal. Sure. He came to Philly. Great. I would, we would do the exact same thing, but like his best years of his career were in Philly playing mm -hmm. alongside Embiid and we can appreciate him for what he is. Like, obviously he would get played off the court. Teams would attack him on defense that showed itself in the playoffs, similar to Seth Curry. But it's like, I think the majority of Philly looks at JJ Redick and can appreciate it. He only has positive things to say about Philly. So yeah, you're right. For him, of all people, to get on the biggest up-and-coming social media, or not even social media, but NBA media guy, to get on national TV and validate what we have been saying all along, uh, it felt great. Yeah, validation is the perfect way to put it. No, it felt really good. And then we just got into some weird athletes in media space were then like you know austin rivers who also worked yeah. for espn was defending his dad and attacking jj and that was i'm all for you know athletes in the media it was just kind yeah. of it was, it was a funny like circle of like okay the coach who worked for espn is now coaching again and the former player of his who works for espn is calling him out 
And then on a different ESPN show, that guy's son, who was an <laughs> NBA player, is defending him. And then Pat Bev was on his podcast. It's just it was a very weird yeah. mix. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a weird back and forth. But yeah, you're right. I again taking a step back though, I've enjoyed every second of it. I, I think that they will from talent alone, they're too good to have this affect them like long term, the Bucks. I think that I don't want to say they'll figure it out, uh, but they they're not. I mean, what they went like three. What are they? Three and seven or something crazy three with Doc. These first 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. Which is I mean, that's great. And losses to like bad teams. Um, but they're, they're not going to be that bad. I don't want to say they'll figure it out, but things will be fine. We all know it, right? As long as you're healthy and you hit your stride at the right time of the year, like you go into the playoffs playing your best basketball, things are going to work out. Yeah. No, but I, 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 but I've still enjoyed every second of it and I, I will continue to do so. No, I think it'll come back around and there's been a lot of chatter of, you know, what if there's a Sixers Bucks series in the playoffs and losing that will be more devastating. Like losing to Doc Rivers would, would be the worst possible scenarios, but I kind of, in my fan fiction, am imagining Sixers Bucks second round, Bucks up three one. That's the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Does Joel Embiid and the Sixers finally make it out of the second round, or does Doc Rivers again blow a, a big blow lead, lead in the series? Oh, which man. one? Which one wins in that struggle? <laughs> that, that would be that would be the most stressful series uh, oh ever. I, I cannot even imagine losing to a Doc Rivers coach team to beat the allegations that we uh, have put on him and continue to put on him. That would be terrible. But man, that would be one entertaining series with JJ Redick calling the games oh and Pat Bev playing. That would that's like prime. I hope that happens. Basketball would, gods, please. And that would be, and I'll put it out there now, if the Sixers beat the Bucks in a comeback fashion to get out of the second round. That's my championship. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, own yeah. that. I don't. They could get swept in the conference finals. I don't care. We did. That it. would be my championship. <laughs> Throw the parade. We're on Broad Street. <laughs> me and you running up and down. <laughs> the Sixers got out of the second round, and they embarrassed Doc Rivers. You, you know, it can't get much better than that. No, it really, it honestly can't. That's that's our Roman Empire right there. Uh, good stuff. Well, Josh, hey, I appreciate you coming on. It's been super fun talking ball with you. I'm sure there's. There's always something that'll happen. There'll be something that will change in the Sixer season, whether it's Embiid health related or some other trade or Kyle Lowry gets elbowed in the noggin again and is out for an indefinite amount of time. Something will happen, I'm sure. But uh, this was a, this was fun chatting with you and talking Sixers. I appreciate you having me on, man. For real. Any day I get a chat hoops uh, and Sixers hoops is a good day, but especially with you, Noah, man, I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Dito. Hopefully, hopefully have you back on maybe come come playoff times if, if things, yeah. are, things are getting interesting. I'd love to have you back on the show, but uh, I appreciate it, and I wish you the best of luck and uh, uh, zen in your recovery period. <laughs> I need it all. Thank you, brother. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, man. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, dude.